Welcome to Bates Motel, Season 5, Episode 4, Hidden. Caleb is dead, Romero is not dead. Is Norman in charge of whether or not Mother comes out or doesn't come out? Let's get going. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Welcome, you guys, to Bates Motel, Season 5, Episode... There it there is. It is. There's, there's, <laughs> we're, we're technically just a tick off this morning. Uh, I'm Joe Sanflipple. I'm joined by Miss Dua Casey. It is too early in the morning, guys. Hi, how are you? It is early. Yeah, we're doing this in a weird time for us. Uh, and we also have on the line uh, Julia Kearley. Hello. Good morning. Every second. This is my pajamas. And we're, we're listening to the Archies right now singing Sugar Sugar in honor of, uh, of, of the, uh, the beautiful cake scene. Sexy cake time. Sexy cake time. Oh, that, that's great. That was a beautiful sexy cake time. I wanted to bake a cake for a while, and then uh, then shit got weird. But for a while, it was like this is the sexiest bakery I've ever been to. Well, shit gets weird when you have when you have your date wear your dead mother's dress, dude. <laughs> dude. All right. Well, uh, let's let's take care of some business. Uh, Joe Braswell is not here with us today because he's a terrible person. And we don't love him anymore. But other than that, <laughs> the rest of us are here, and so uh, lots of stuff happened this episode. We'll get to sexy cake time in a second uh let's start at the very beginning though um jules what do you think of this episode oh come on you know me i love every single episode this one was was no exception um i thought it was actually a fascinating episode to see the sort of like the realization and the unraveling over coming over norman i i totally dug it and you know i wrote sexy cake time too in my notes Did sexy you really? cake time sexy yes, cake time right here sexy cake time that was a sensual pork cake i ever did <laughs> dude i they made milk look so damn sexy like you you want to pour the milk i'll help you pour the milk pour that goddamn milk it was great it was beautiful it was beautiful, and it was almost sad when you knew in just a few moments norman was going to appear and it was all going to be was, over oh of course Awesome. What did you think, Ms. Dua Casey? Uh, I thought it was good. So one out of the two, three people that I thought was dead last week actually ended up being dead. Dunkel's gone. Um, I loved watching Chick this uh, this episode kind of navigate Norman's insanity. You know, he yeah. Norman lost his he he lost his cookies at the top of the steps, and he kicked him out when he was moving his stuff in. And then he shows up at his house later, and he and he's like, "I was just overreacting." And the way that Chick handles Norman is just brilliant. I loved Romero's gangster. We added we added we peppered in a little bit of Romero's gangster this whole um, episode. It was great. Uh, it was it was a good episode. I liked it. I think that there's lots lots to discuss. I agree with you guys. They, they never really step wrong. I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine, and it's it's one of those shows where you really you know it, it was interesting the structure of the show because they they they've agreed to five seasons. They you know we're all, we're wrapping it up now, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that the difference we've talked about this in seasons past how this show has gotten rid of the idea that we have to keep you know the 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 rules of tv have been forever Mm -hmm. that we just keep the show going in perpetuity and we make the smallest changes we can make so as to keep the secret sauce the same Mm -hmm. and keep the audience coming back and we'll stretch it out for as long as we can until they basically tell us we can't make anymore Mm -hmm. but i love that shows are doing this now and i think bates is one of my favorites that does it where it's like you know what we're going to tell the story we're going to tell it's going to take as long as it's going to take and that's it. Yeah. That's it, the end of it. Yeah. We're done. It leaves you wanting more, which it I think is, is really is really important because you don't want shows to jump the shark anymore. No, it's wanna, so goofy, right? Yeah. No. We don't need Fonzie on water skis. And 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 you oh. know what's what's amazing about this is it gives them that freedom. 
And A and E did it with Mad Men. It did it with them. Like they negotiate, obviously. Like A and E's like, we, we, we'd like more. And well, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, it gives them the freedom to tell the story that they want, which I think makes uh, makes for really really good television. And you know what else they do? They don't. You know, you don't necessarily need to have everybody in every episode. No. Yeah, maybe we'll see you. Maybe we won't. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, well, yeah. let's talk. Let's talk. Let's start at the top. If you guys are okay with it, because I made yeah. a prediction last week that that I, some of us were at odds with that. We got ourselves a dead dunkle. Dead, dead dunkle. Yes, dead dunkle. Dead dunkle. Aww. So yeah, we open. We open right where we left off on the street in the car with um, with Chick in the car, and they're now Norma and Norman, Chick and Dead Dunkle on the ground, and they're actually talking about what they're going to do with yeah. this body. And I love the way they shot that scene because uh. they shot it from Norm as Norman is talking to Norma. They shot it from the perspective where we, as the audience, could see that Chick's perspective was just them and Norman. Right, so yeah. Norma wasn't really there, but then Norman kept deferring to Norma for all of the advice. Anytime Chick brought up any scenario, he would turn to Norma to get approval. Did you see this? Poor Chick. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but poor Chick navigating the madness of this scene is just—it's—it's it's like. So I just—I'll just wait until somebody makes a decision <laughs> here. One of you, shit. Norman was really interesting in that scene, asking if they should call the sheriff. It was an accident. What other things are they going to find? I mean, I know that he's crazy, but he knows that there's some crazy shit going on in his basement. But remember, he's Norman... He's aware of this. He should know better than to call the sheriff at this point. But no, game. he doesn't... He Because he's, he's he's in this... I think this episode, one of the things... One of the themes is Norman is getting confident. Norman's getting kind of... Uh, almost cocky. Yeah. You know? And part of it stems from his complete lack of knowledge, right? He doesn't know that his mother is dead in the basement. He doesn't actually know that on this level, this Norman level. Mm-hmm. And so for him... I... I yeah, go on. Sorry for him to for from his point of view. Like, there, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing going on. I love, by the way, that he's waving the gun as he's saying it. <laughs> what? Call the sheriff? What the hell? There's nothing going on here. He's still aware that he was locked up. That Caleb had been locked up in the basement. That he was supposed to kill him. That they've done nefarious things in the past. Yeah, I, I, it just was an interesting choice for him to to be so like so glib about it. Oh, no, I'm just going to share it. It was well, you know, it, fine. In, in fairness to him, the only people that knew that 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 uh, that, that Caleb were, was covered up in the basement, was, what do you call it, was, uh, was ever chained to the basement, are, are Chick and, uh, and and Norman and Norma, yes. which is, again, so tricky to remember that it's only one person. Um, but what's, what's interesting <laughs> about that scene is what it starts, it kind of starts the trajectory of what we deal with in the episode, right? Which is that Norman now has a conflicting opinion with mm. the other part of himself. He yeah. has he has a disagreement with Norma. Now, since it was yeah. technically two against one on the street making that decision, but Norman didn't agree with it. So when you cut to the next scene where he's now upstairs, you know, when we talked, when we had Carrie Aaron on this show in previous episodes and we talked to her, and um, she talks a lot about... In, uh, interviews that the the state of the house is representative of what's going on in Norman's mind, right? So when he decides to go upstairs, and I thought he was packing to move out, but he was actually just gathering Norma's things. He wanted to get rid of the dresses. I think that that was symbolic of the fact that he wants to get Norma out of his head. He wants to get her out of his uh-huh. mind. He's packing up her stuff. And I love those. I love that uh, Vera can just be fun with it. Right, she was like, she's like, well, do I want the dresses or don't I? You, you make the decision. And you know? that, that, yeah, yeah. I, yes, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, is this is this a way of uh, you know because he's not getting rid of Norma, um, because that that psychosis that doesn't happen until well, maybe he is. You're right. This is the beginning of the split. Right, he's beginning mm-hmm. to be in a position where he's actually getting rid of Norma. He's preventing her from coming out. But 
so he's so he's changing her. It's interesting to consider, right? So so subconsciously they've structured the character that he is in in a position consciously to say, I want to get rid of these dresses. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean subconsciously to the construct mm-hmm. of mother that yep. he has in his mind? Exactly. So he's changing. So he's changing the construct of mother mm-hmm. by g- getting rid of things in the physical world. Correct. That's bananas. That's all, but that because that's all he can control. He can't control what's going on in his mind, but he can control whether or not the dresses are there. The dresses are really symbolic of everything. It's what he puts on when he turns into her. So I thought that that was a huge. That's not something that they just like threw in there. Everything is intentional. So, so if we ditch. If we ditch the dresses that Norma chose, mm-hmm. and he's choosing new dresses mm-hmm. for his construct of mother, uh-huh. then he's taking control of mother. Uh, m- maybe, 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 maybe is. But but he also had. He also couldn't. But, yeah. But there's also the point where he's trying to get rid of them, but then he, instead he gives them to exactly. Oh, he couldn't get rid of them. Exactly. He's sort of transferring his mother in a way. Something physical. He's saying that you, you, when they had, and towards the end, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when they're having that dinner together, he's saying that he said something along the lines of it's hard to know what's real unless it's right in front of you and you're experiencing yes, it. Yes. So he is, he is making Norma real by projecting her onto this woman. That is, yes. Yes. Julia. Yes. You know, <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> This is some this is some above our pay grade shit going on up in here. <laughs> we could definitely we could definitely use a psychiatrist, which it looks like we might get next episode according like You know, if Braswell was here, his his line right now would be where the F is Dr. Edwards? Where is Dr. Edwards? But <laughs> you know, uh, well, he's coming. He's coming back because th- there was an overcoat and and a scarf, and inside him, inside the overcoat and the scarf was Doctor Edwards. So and, they're coming back. Yeah, and <laughs> as you know, I have my trusty predict a pen with me this this episode. So now, when we have predictions, I can predict a pen it. So let's ask just right now: Will Doctor Gay Edwards be back on next episode, or was that just a teaser? Without a doubt, guys. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, the he pen, will be back. You the know, pen the, has spoken. Th- this show is we're, we're 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 an interesting show. We've gone from really deep analysis of the symbolism. <laughs> to, you know what, let's talk to the pen. Let's ask the pen. Let's see what the pen has to say. <laughs> the pen will know. The pen will be with us in future in future well, episodes. I'm, I'm glad that we got into the symbolism of the dresses, and I think I think that we we figured out some stuff. But again, that's one of the things I love about the show, is they actually will take the time to figure out the symbolism. Mm-hmm. And and it's there if you want it, or if, or if you don't. If you just want to be plot-driven, and you don't want to pay attention to the symbolism, and you just want to accept that Norman was just throwing away some shit, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. But that's not all yeah. there is to it. Um, You know what? It's interesting that I want to talk about. um, We did introduce a new character. We'll get to that in just a second. Brooke Smith played. There was a new sheriff, Dr. Green. Dr. Jane Green, which is great. But can we talk about Chick for a second? So the way that Chick is handling everything that's going on with Norman. You know, the first thing that happens is Chick gets rid of. Dunkel is dead. Chick, in a ceremonial burying, gets rid of a dead body. So, Viking burial. A Viking burial. He gets rid of a dead body. I think that, that he thinks that that's earned him a little bit of clout. So he starts moving his stuff in. What's well, yeah. I think it's not just the Viking funeral. I think that last scene also shows us all the other stuff Chick may have been doing as we go along. Like Norman's running around that last scene, and there's that orange juice and the and the, and the sandwich kicking it there that hasn't been touched at the kitchen table yep. because there is no Norma. Yep. But I wonder for how long has Chick been cleaning up? Yes. How long has Chick been in, uh, uh, enabling Norman's psychosis by eating Norma's sandwich yep. and drinking Norma's juice mm-hmm. and cleaning up mm-hmm. the dishes and handling all the shit that Norma, in, in, in Norman's mind, is actually 
actually doing. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that chick's actually been handling for him to en- enable this psychosis to keep everything uh, keep everything going so he can keep taking notes about it. Yeah, well, we did talk about that a little bit. Um, Julia brought that up last episode where, you know, having Chick be there is enabling his psychosis because it's saying it's okay to keep him in that kind of level two where Norma is there as his delusion in the house because it seems real. Right. If Chick is there to validate it, it seems okay. But when Chick isn't there, you know, it doesn't seem okay. But now that Chick has the bird... And the stuff in his trunk, and they're at the bottom of the stairs, and Norman comes up to him, and he's like, guess what, buddy? You can't live here anymore. I love the way they shot that scene. I love Norman in that scene. I love Chick in that scene. I love how physically imposing Chick is compared to Norman, Mm -hmm. and I love how Norman handled it. Norman didn't try and get tough, because he can't. But he just handled it like like the owner of a business, saying, you know what? I I understand your point of view. I get it, Mm -hmm. and I respect it, and we can still be friends. But you just can't live here, and you can and you can see him kind of gearing up to do it, and you can see Chick thinking about other ways yeah. to handle it. He's and like, realizing, too many people. That's what he said. There are too many people, and then Chick's oh, look. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Julia, what did you think about the boy? Has you always have great insight on the Chick um, Chick Norman dynamic. What did you think I about think their it's exchange? Like my favorite thing of all time, and this was this this episode was no exception. Um, First of all, this, the Viking burial was, like, my favorite thing. It was also kind of cool, I feel like, for Chick, because Caleb is the one who effed him up so bad. Mm-hmm. That was a, a nice send-off that he was the one. Who, also, he was the one who actually did the killing. So I think that was uh, that was an interesting way to send him off. And there was but also the respect, scene, right? Yeah, with respect. Um, but Norman, when he was talking to Norma, and he was packing up her dresses, and he was really mad at her, uh, he said, since when did you and Chick become such great friends or something like that so Norman's getting a little bit jealous I think too yeah. of the relationship between Norma and Chick because I feel like Norman feels that Chick is enabling Norma well you know I think I think her that her actions and her reactions are okay we gotta he start wants to get rid of that I think we got to start referring to Norma as mother. I think people that have been that have been been throwing some shouts our way are 100 percent right about that because yeah. this is not Norma. Now this is mother, yeah. and this is just a construct. <laughs> Norma is dead in the basement. Norma's dead in the basement. With, so, with, she, oh, interesting. She's the real. She's a real dead yeah. eyes. Um, but I think you're 100 percent right, and it's and how bizarre is all this, right? That you've got a, a mental construct uh, teaming up with a guy on the ground trying to keep track of everything so he can write a book mm-hmm. that eventually will mm-hmm. be made into a little movie, a little mm-hmm. Easter egg for everybody right there. Yep. And then, uh, which he showed Norman in the trailer. By the way, I don't blame Chick for wanting to move into that house. Did you see his digs, man? No, it's not good. Yeah, it's I thought <laughs> that too. Like the house is a massive better. upgrade. I don't yeah. care how many people in Norman's head you have to talk to. It's definitely better than the shitbox you're living in. Yeah, we know. We know That's now what his great. motivation is. Well, let me ask do you this: you feel like, Do you think Chick was pissed when he got kicked out, or hurt, or both? Both. Well, I think both. Me too. Well, the thing is, I thought that he was going to challenge Norman originally, but then when you notice, like he put his stuff in, and I love how they played the end of that scene just a little bit comical. He's like, "Well, can I come over next week? What about tomorrow? Next week?" And he was like, "You know," and then he was like, "Don't forget to cook the chicken I bought you." So I think that he Work understands. Real bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He understands that Norman is a crazy person, and he doesn't... I think that he has respect, but ultimately, he wants to get his book written, right? So he's willing to fit into this play any way that he can. 
And so I think that he knows that if he just kind of steps back for a minute, Norman eventually went back up to him and he was like, oh, chick, what are you talking about? That, that, that you, you misread that. That's not crazy. I just crazy. said you couldn't live with us. We're yeah. Just, yeah. I now need something yeah. from you, chick. I'm ready for you to be back here. Do you know how to hide a car? <laughs> you are, yeah. Well, do you know? <laughs> well, let's get it. But I, I do, I, I do, I do love that those scenes are like, like, like we said, the first scene and then this scene again. Chick is the only one who realizes he's only talking to one guy, you know, yeah. and he's so I love those moments of realization within those conversations. Like, you, you can see Chick wanting to say, I want to talk to your fucking mother about this. Yeah. And then the realization, like, God damn it, there's no one there. This is just this is just the one guy. But mother likes me. Yes, mother likes you, but she's not well. And so when Norman is in the trailer asking for Chick's help to hotwire a car, and he was like, mother is out of control. I don't know what to do. The look on his face when I think that he has real sympathy. I mean, it has to be fascinating to deal with somebody that's in the deep depths of psychosis. Yes. And I think you know, and they've laid all the crumbs down for for this to be obviously for this to be the, the author of the, of the piece. But eventually, I think, and they've also laid enough crumbs down for us to be very comfortable if Chick doesn't make it through this too. Uh, that we won't we won't lose any sleep because Chick has definitely done the wrong thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. He's um, not a good guy. No. He is definitely not. We'd be just fine if Chick doesn't make it through. On the other hand, I, I do love the idea of the last the last episode, Chick with a good haircut doing good morning you yeah. you know, good morning America. You know just with his glasses, a good haircut and and, and, a, and a and a and a nice you know, chic suit. Um <laughs> Le- oh my god, that's brilliant! I, don't you think? Can't you just see that? Like we're so yes. glad you're here, Ch- chick. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let l- l- the Viking funeral. One last thing I want to say about it. where is everyone in the Pacific Northwest? Like you can just set something on fire and, and set it no off. No one's like, "Hey, is that a fire?" <laughs> yeah, that's but- the most inconspicuous body. You know, he should have he should have referenced Norman. I mean, Norman just puts him in a bag and puts him in the, the, right. in the lake. That's how you yeah. do it. Um, all right. Well, well, it seems Chick does everything with a little touch of flair. He does. <laughs> he's a little eccentric. I love that he's doing a Viking funeral in in some sort of a kimono. It was good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was. I know. A- <laughs> I know. It was so good. All right. Should we talk briefly about Sheriff Green, the brand new sheriff in town, who yeah. comes in, in a, on a bicycle? She's very environmentally friendly. She, she rolls is. in on a bike. The Pacific Northwest. At, yeah. Yeah, she, she's very hippy dippy. She rolls in on the bike. She's asking the the uh, the, rece- the reception or or, or or dispatch. I'm not really sure dispatch. who she is. is it Receptionist. Dispatch? I'm not, not really sure. It's not an attorney not law it, yeah. office. <laughs> Hold my calls, Ellen. So so she comes in and she checks in with her and and I, I think the first line is the the new numbers are in. It seems to me like crime is down, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what, the gist yeah. of what we're getting? So Sheriff Romero's out and crime is down. Crime but is then down. The DA calls. What do you think that phone call was about? Uh, I suspect it was about Sheriff Romero. Yeah, um, <laughs> I imagine so. So Brooke Smith. I'm just going to pull this to light really quickly. Brooke Smith plays Doctor. Um, sorry, Doctor. Uh, she doesn't. No. <laughs> She's not Doctor Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> just kidding. Brooke Smith plays. Um, uh, Sheriff Jane Green, and she's been in a oodles of stuff. Oodles. She's played a lot oh, of character yeah. roles. She was in Weeds. She's been in a ton of stuff. But I think the the bat the, the role that we kind of know her from is it puts the lotion on the skin. She yeah. was in Silence yeah. of the Lambs. I'd so fuck me. She. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> you can say it. I know it's okay, isn't it? So when we are at um, when uh, when Sheriff Green talks to Norman, the first thing she does, she goes up to Bates' house. Why? Because Mr. Blackwell's address for the Bates Motel was there, and she wants to talk to Norman. 
And that conversation was really great. I love her kind of, I love, first of all, that, that this was a woman. Um, Julia, what did you think about the sheriff? Oh, I love Brooke Smith. And yes, of course, I mean, I I feel for her at times because it's so hard for her to break out of that one. Everyone sees her as that one, as that one character from Silence of the Lambs. But she brings such flair to all her characters. I watched her on ER, on Weed, or not ER, what's the other one? Grey's Anatomy. Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy, Weed, this. Like, she brings her own character to everything and she makes everyone forget after the initial shock of oh wait she was in the little tunnel thing um but her scenes with norman she was handling him so well and he was i'm sorry but norman was acting so suspicious he was the worst yes (laughs) yes oh my god stuttering he's like oh oh you know when you said it on 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 the the porch well that was the second scene but yes together get it together norman (laughs) yeah well norman and it's funny because i'm shocked it it stress makes norman black out let's not all forget this so anytime he's highly stressed out he goes to a different place so you know this is really kind of pushing him right towards the edge there were two initial scenes with miss brooksmith there was the first one that was on the at the door at the bates house and then the second one was Mm -hmm. actually in the bates motel and you know Mm -hmm. i'm going to defer back to our listeners here uh because i'm pretty sure and julia and joe chime in if you know this i'm pretty sure the bates motel scene where she asks to look at the guest registry and Norman is eating candy and asking and looking. I'm pretty sure that's shot for shot a scene out of Psycho. And mm. except it's not that it's not about um the Blackwell missing. It's actually about um the 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 missing um chick. What's her name? Marion Crane. Mar- 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 Marion Crane. Yes. Crane. But I think that they actually took that scene shot for shot because it was so familiar to me and I was like, is this right out of Psycho? Um, so it looked like Anthony Perkins. And so if anybody knows that a- answer, um, it actually makes me want to go back and watch the movie. Well, we probably, it's about that time, don't you think? We should all spend some time. <laughs> watch. Watch yeah, again. it might be that time because we're about to redo it. Um, okay, so, so we know that, that the sheriff is, it smells something about, about, uh, about our boy here that, that doesn't smell right. I think the first scene, she gets the sense that he's a little off. And then I love that she did the cop thing, which, you know, I got, I got friends who are cops, and they all get mad when I, when I want to give them shit about this, because they all ask questions, like, the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, open-ended, hey, what about, don't cop me, goddammit, don't you cop me! <laughs> um, you know, and they always get, I'm not, what are you talking about? I got so, sound copping. <laughs> yeah, I got sound copping from you, damn it. So, so she's asking the open-ended questions, which, of course, are making him into a stutter bunny. And then, uh, and then he oversteps, which is the point of the open-ended mm-hmm. question, is to make you, is to lead you in and let you overstep. And, um, and he covered pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he uh, was so bad. Oh, I know. <laughs> but but, but I, and I love that line of hers, too, like, oh, police work, it's all such silly stuff yeah. until it's not anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you just said you have too much stuff. You don't know yeah. what you're doing. Oh. You don't know how much stuff you have. Yes, but I, it's, all, it's all mine. I know that. There's nothing else. Shit. Um, so I love that. I love that there's suspicion. I love her demeanor. I love her smiling, mm-hmm. not trying to physically intimidate. She's a lady. She's going to approach it totally differently, which brings out a totally different dynamic in Norman, which I love. Mm-hmm. They build themselves in these, these you know, you could have gone with another guy for sheriff and you had the same dynamic of, uh, I'm the sheriff, I'm intimidating you, and Norman going like, okay, I'm intimidated. Nope, didn't do that. I love it. Brilliant writing, always. Um, mm-hmm. She's suspicious, I, I think. Um, but can we talk briefly? How could she not about be? How could she not be? About the car? Can we talk about the car? Yeah. I think well, it's time to talk about the car. Well, she's looking for the car. I love that... That's um, a black and white... It's a black and, 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 uh, black and gray Lincoln. Late yep. 90s. 
if you happen to see it. So they step back. We have so Norman and Norman throughout this episode have had a whole bunch of conversations, which I think I'll point out really quickly that had gotten darker and darker in with lighting. I don't know if you noticed this, Ooh, but like the very, the very, very mm. first conversation is really light in the bedroom, and then it's at the bottom of the stairs, and it's a little bit darker, and it's almost like Norma because every time Norman has the, the Norma delusion, it's really, really light. But now it's starting to get darker and darker, as if Norma is actually pulling into the darkness of Norman's reality. But this Ooh. car is an interesting scenario because I think it's almost the breaking point for Norman dealing with Norma. I mean, when they go to look for this car. And Norman's insistent that they look for this car, right? Norma just wants to let it be, right. and they look for the car. But they look for the car, and when they find it, they're in the middle of the woods. And I swear to God, I thought Romero was going to pop out in the woods. Did you? No, it's episode five. They can't. <laughs> no. I, I thought he was going to pop out, you know, wound and all, and he was just going to see Norman just screaming at, him, at himself with this car hidden. And then I thought, yeah, I thought that was going to be the standoff. I think I'm thinking too far ahead here. Well, I, yeah, I think we're a couple. You're a couple episodes ahead of yourself because <laughs> you can't kill Romero yet. You yeah. can't die yet. He's got stuff he's got to do. Um, by the way, uh, late '90s Lincoln. If you ever tried to hide one. That's a big effing car. That you're, you're not you're not hiding a Toyota Corolla or a little hatchback. You're 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 hiding a 22 foot beast. They put branches on it. They did. <laughs> you you got to think about how long it takes. Like I said, you're not covering up a Yugo. You're covering up a, 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 a late 90s Lincoln, which is the size of a football field. That car is such a massive thing. Um, so uh, let's talk about the search for the car because it it seems to be uh, you know we're pushing down this road for for me anyway the over one of the overarching things of this, themes of this episode is Norma obviously Norman breaking from mother mm-hmm. he's to and, and it seems to be that the reason he's breaking from mother is that his construct of mother is no longer led by living mom it's now mm-hmm. it's led by Norman only and Norman's recollection mm-hmm. of mom and. Norma, mom, mother, pardon me, is making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mother is doing things that Norman, when he finds out about them after his blackouts, mm-hmm. does not agree are the best idea. Mm-hmm. You're not making the best choices right now. Mm-hmm. Hiding the car this close, just covering it up with branches, he's not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he did it, but... He, yeah. Right? <laughs> now, let's the, not forget. The crazy thing to try and remember. But it's interesting that, that, that this break that's coming is because mm-hmm. he doesn't agree with the way mother's handling shit. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the the the, uh, the the fight in the woods and again, you know, I I think we've talked about this in the past how Norman's construct of mother is is always going to be Norman's construct of mother. So it's colored by his understanding of what she was and so it's essentially an adolescent boys Construct of womanhood. Correct. Which yes. Is mm. so, this is deep. Joe. Well, that's what the show is, right? This is wow. deep, deep stuff. So it's adolescent boys yeah. construct of motherhood. So it's authoritarian, but it's frivolous, mm-hmm. and it's and it's we make choices based on expedition, not, nece- not what's expeditious, not necessarily what's right. Mm-hmm. And and she's flirty, and she's kind of you know like when she's kicking in the rain, she's kicking in the rain. Mm-hmm. Like this is not what a grown woman would do. Well, what's interesting too is that you know we always talk about Norman's three levels, right? He has his. Three Three levels of psychosis, and normally murder always happens in that third level right. when he's in the deepest. Well, when Norma or when Mother, pardon me, is there, this is his like solid level two right. of crazy. Now he tries; he gets so frustrated with Mother that he tries to strangle her to the point of unconsciousness in his level two. Well, let's 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 get into that for a second because that and, and she she's she, we get old dead eyes for real, Jules. What did you think of this? This yep. is this is. <laughs> This, this, this is not Lizzie Keen old dead eyes. This is legit old dead eyes. <laughs> this is real life dead eyes. Well, what did you think of that, Jules? The fantasy started to break. For yes, 
that he he sort of realized that he is living in these different worlds. I feel like Norman so badly wants a sense of normalcy, and having Mother around, making these poor choices, is preventing him from that. So when she, in that, that pivotal scene out in the woods where he chokes her and tries to kill her, and he steps back, and she is the, the mummified version for a moment with the glass eyes, right. uh-huh. glassy eyes. And his 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 reaction to that is just that moment of everything starting to break. And then we get that at the end as well when mm-hmm. he runs home to confront Mother, yep. and the house is bleak as it is in real life, yes. not a fantasy house. Mm-hmm. So, so now, did you guys notice uh, how quickly Mother died? Yeah. Like it, yeah. it didn't take as long as it would actually yeah. take to choke someone out. It was very how, fast. How did you know, Joe? What? Nothing. I don't <laughs> even know what you're talking about right now. There's no one under my house. No one. Um, it, it, it. You know, normally you have like that. Oh, and the scene goes on mm-hmm. a long time, and there's like four or five cuts, and then you see the. Ah, uh, the end. Yep. Didn't happen that way. It was one, two, yep. glass eye. Oh shit. You know, yeah. and and I. It think takes that- less time when you strangle a delusion. Yes. <laughs> 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 we have noticed when you are strangling your own mental delusions, they die very quickly. But they can come back. So so she comes back, Old Dead Eyes is back. But it's interesting, that's the whole theme of the episode, She's right? She's pissed. She's like, don't and ever don't do that. don't you ever do that again. You're grounded, young man. And, and did, am I the only one that noticed that she had that big yellow flashlight and they left without it? Oh, good catch! Oh. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Mental, now I wonder. I mean, that might be a mental case thing to notice because mm-hmm. it's. It, it is it more likely that Norman was walking with two flashlights, or one of them was just a figmentation of his imagination? I don't know. Huh. But, uh, Something about the lights going out. That's got to be symbolism in some sense. They they don't really miss a trick on this show. Um, well, let's let's. You know what's let, also interesting about that scene before we leave that? Yes, is that mother also seems to understand that the fantasy is breaking. So when she comes back to life. I guess in that moment, she says, "What's really going on here? Why are you annoyed? Why can't I do anything right?" Mm-hmm. You know, like she she understands. Mother understands that it's breaking as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be this push pull of Norman trying to sort of vanquish the mother fantasies, but mother desperately trying to hold on to Ooh. stay well, alive. It in has his head. it has to get really dark because if you see the mother, like in the movie Psycho. The character of Norma, mother, is really mean and angry and not happy, and he's very afraid of her. So it has mm-hmm. to get to this really, really dark place soon that there's just this resentful, like, I don't even want you here anymore, but you're still here. Um, and it's it's crazy. But now that he has the dresses and he gives the dresses to Madeline and he has, you know, these great exchanges with Madeline in the in the hardware store with the funny lines about the shower curtains and these and he's going over there for dinner. Now he sees Madeline as this new fresh version of his mother, which is mm-hmm. this like really kind of, you know, rooted in reality. What was that line again? Let's talk about that dinner scene. Well, that's what I was, well, I, let me ask you. Let, let's do one thing. Let's do one thing first. Let's talk about the hardware scene. Because I feel like that hardware store, we get to see a different Norman than I, well, at least one we haven't seen in a long time. He's genuinely charming. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is this too weird? And he's got like a, I think we get it, we got a little sense of how Freddie Highmore's game actually rolls. Like, like I was like, I'm Freddie, I'm going to bed with you right now, man. Look at you. Like, he's got that big smile. And he's, oh, you know what? This is too weird. I'm giving you my dead mother. I'm sorry. This yeah. is bananas. And she's, no, no, it's not. Yeah, it, it's fucking weird. But she's, no, 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 it's no, it's great. And he's like, okay, well, you know, but he's a charming 
guy mm-hmm. laying some track with the girl at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And it was the most normal, relaxed. I've, I've seen him in season since uh, it goes back to what's her name in, in season one, uh, uh, where, where he was just comfortable. Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. Like, this felt like a very normal guy. Mm-hmm. And and I loved that. And I love that we got to see that. And obviously, he, he's not allowed to have it for real. But, and, and like you said, the Easter egg, the shower curtains, yeah, we go through these like crazy. You wouldn't yeah. believe it. Um, <laughs> the way we do it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but what did you think of that scene? Did you think there was anything going on besides that? I oh, I thought that they needed that scene. This was a really, really dark episode. So you needed to kind of pepper in that, you know, that, that playfulness that Norman can have. I think that the scene after that, the one where he's having the conversation with Madeline Loomis at the top of his stairs... And there, she's inviting him to dinner because she has tried on the dresses and they fit. And she's like, "Hey, would you like to come having dinner? Would you like to come?" When he hangs up that phone and he gives oh. this little boyish giggle, like that, it was so cute. And so it's giddy. nice to see these little cute, giddy scenes because it makes you still root for him. Yeah. What did you think, Jules? Um, I think that hardware scene was kind of pivotal for Norman, who I, I sort of referenced earlier. I think so desperately wants a sense of normalcy so that gave him a taste of that of what like real life could be like outside in the world in the life yes. mm-hmm. and I think that is part of the reason that he's trying to break so desperately with mother because he wants that and now he, I feel like he sees that he can sort of have the best of both worlds in his new projection of mother onto, onto Madeline mm-hmm. a happier version like you were saying earlier Dua like a happier version of what mother could be yep um so I, I think that was sort of his sort of, sort of moment of reckoning of like this is what I want, this is how I can do it. Yeah. So she's and, like, and then, so w- would would you say that Madeline's kind of the wedge between him and mother? Like that would be like the yeah. the like on the one hand I can see a normal life, relatively speaking. On the other hand, I'm in this crazy shit for the rest of eternity. So you, you see him it's, trying to, to wedge, wedge her out. It's always if you notice. I mean, that's the constant in the whole series, right? That it's always a, him. He feeling sexually towards a female that drives that wedge between him and his mother. So when he's having dinner and enjoying himself and saying, you know, it's hard to know what's real and not real in any moment unless it's right in front of you. You know, once he gets that's why Madeline can't be around for very long. And we'll talk about that in predictions, because he knows that if Madeline's around, mother won't approve and he can't get rid of that mother persona. You know, so that's. But but he tries. So well that that brings us to dinner. So let's get to let's get to sexy cake time. Because <laughs> because that's that seems to be the crux of what's going on there. So so we have dinner and wine, which always makes me nervous when Norman's drinking mm-hmm. because that seems yeah. I, I I don't know who's going to be in charge. Um but when when we get done with dinner and 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 how does how does she, what, what there was some good stuff at dinner. Let's not skip that. There were some interesting lines at dinner, right? What's real, what's not real? Yeah. Yeah. And we talked briefly yep. about that earlier, didn't we? Yep. It's hard to know what's real and what's not real. What I um, did anybody else think that that scene was a little bit reminiscent to um, to the teacher scene? Yes, it was way back in the day. There's a lot of hearkening back to to season one in this, but when they're baking a cake, when they have sexy cake time, and he kisses her, and then he sees the vision of Norma, and then all of a sudden he has these quick flashes of what's going to happen, of what exactly yeah. what will happen, and he gets freaked out and he leaves. And then it's interesting because for a moment we didn't know if it was what was happening or what he was seeing could possibly happen. Right. But yeah. he leaves and he goes to search for Norma and search for Norma and she's not there, as you mentioned, Jules, in that really, really dark and desolate house. And then he was like, this mm-hmm. isn't funny. And I think that he thinks in his head that his mother is upset 
because he said that he was going to go to Madeline's house. So when he comes back, she's gone. She's like, well, I'll show you. And so he's looking for and looking for her. And I think the stress, was it the stress of looking for her that made him turn into let, her? Let me ask you a question. Let me go back a little bit before we get into that, because I think that's the crux of the episode. So when he was in Sexy Cake Time, mm-hmm. Sexy Cake Time, we poured the milk and we poured the milk time. And it's mm-hmm. hot, hot, hot. And then, we, then, <laughs> and then we're going we're gonna to kiss. And, and uh, again, what's interesting and almost imperative for Norman, the female is the sexual aggressor. Mm-hmm. So he's in it to win it. I'm, I'm here to bake the cake with you and I'll lay innuendo down, but I'm not going to make the, oh, shit, here she comes. Mm-hmm. So, so she makes the first move, right? And the kissing, it, I, I love. I love the way they shoot it. Like I, I love Freddie. He's he's a brilliant actor, he and is. he's just. Oh, I don't. I don't know how to. Oh shit! Yeah. There's no like. There's no. There's it's no a mat. little awkward. Yeah, it's a little. No, doesn't know where to put his hands on her back. It's he's so there. great. Yeah, and it's not. It's not twelve year old boy. I, 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 but it's yeah. it's close enough for a hand grenade. It's close uh-huh. enough that we we get that sense. Um, here's my question I for you guys. I always feel like Norman is the worst kisser. <laughs> right? Just a little limp and not really. <laughs> Do you think when Freddie Heimworth is talking to a girl for the first time, like, like the third thing he says is, look, the, the kissing from the show is not how I actually do it. You, you, you know that. I'm, I'm, re- I'm really quite good. Uh, I'm a very good actor. <laughs> that's a put on. Um, uh, so what I wonder from you guys, do you think that he stopped mother from coming do you think that in that in that in that moment right he had the visions of what could happen and at that point did he stop norma from uh, mother from coming out and if he stopped her Mm -hmm. does that mean he believes he has some control of it what that's a really interesting question i think that it was i don't know if he's i like i think perhaps because they're at odds and they're angry with each other right now. That his his anger, yes, he he maybe was resistant to becoming her because in that moment, it, that scene could have played very differently, right? Right, of course. They would have kissed. He would have become mother. She would have killed her, and then it would have been over. He did. He stopped that and he went back to the house. Um, is it because he wants to control it? I don't know, Jules. What do you think? I'm going to defer well, back right to you. Right before he left for Madeline's, he had that exchange with with his mother. Um, telling her that you know begging her promise me you won't do anything about her she says i promise i'll protect you like she she never says well you know he he also says or she says you have free will and so do i Mm -hmm. and that kind of freaked me out a little bit that sort of showed that mother is in control at times sort of uh proving it to norman that she is control when she wants to be but then he comes back that you have to accept me being in charge of my own life to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think he's trying to assert himself back to mother and she's fighting back. So there's a major push-pull going on. They're at let, war. Let me ask you guys a question. So when he gets back to the house, right, he's, he's run away and mm-hmm. Madeline's, my fault, my fault, not your fault, be happy you're alive. Mm-hmm. So he runs to the car, he gets home, he's running through the house and we talked about this earlier that Chick isn't there to clean up and so mm-hmm. he's seeing that there's orange juice and a, an untouched a sandwich. sandwich and he's seeing you know that, that the house is dark and dingy and it's not this bright lit place that he left mm-hmm. with mom sitting on the couch reading a book so when he gets back is he running through the house because he's feeling bad looking for Norma for mother or is he is, is he running through the house and, and he's feeling bad and he's needing her or is he running through the house to kind of sh- 
Like, what's going on there? Is he running through the house to find her? Is he running through the house to prove that she's not well, there? He's look. He's trying to find her because he says, "Mother, don't play games." Like as if she's hiding from him. And oh, he... so he's you, okay. So you're right. I think you're right. So he's looking for her. Yes. He's not looking to prove she's not there. He's he's needing her. He's needing her, and I th- I think that my thought was that he thought that she was mad that he went to go see Madeline. So she was like, "Well, screw this. I'm not going to be here when you get home." And so now he's going to look for her, and so then he becomes her. And well, and do you so think in that moment where he is kissing Madeline and he sees flashes of her, do you think that he thinks that she was really there? That's what I was going to say. So, so when he gets back to the house, so it, it, is it needy? Mother, don't play these games, or is it mad? God damn it, mother! What were you doing stalking me on my date? How oh, did you even get in the window? Where are you? You're not here. You're over at Madeline's house right now. Is it? Is you? Do you think that might be what's going on? So I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. And then who looks up that last shot? Oh, that's Norma. That, that's mother that looks that's up. That's mother. Jules, what do you Ju- think? Ooh, that, I think that was mother that that he turned into at the very end there. So you guys think oh, that's I, mother? You know what? I don't know because in that last moment when he sees the 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 dinginess of the house. Every time he's been in that house, he never sees it like that. Whether Norma's in the room or not, he sees the house full of light and 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 and, and Norma and Mother. But in that moment, it was dark, and he was very, very much alone. And I, I, I think I could take you could take it both ways. Either yes, he turns into Mother, or that's the moment where the fantasy starts to really break. Interesting. Where he realizes that well, she really is. Dead. He did also. I mean, well, it looked like a triumphant look. It, one way or the other, whoever came out, came well, out happy. Exactly. Well, yeah, because it was Norma. I think that when he was running through the house, he had just like he'd just come from Madeline's house, right? So Madeline, for us and for him, equals reality. So when he comes from a situation that is, in fact, real, and he goes back to the house quickly, maybe he sees it as as it is in reality, which is dark and dingy and nothing. So maybe he got that moment, and he's looking for his mother, and then... He immediately, he never stays in that place for very long, right? So maybe he just switched from level one to level three mm-hmm. immediately because Norma is like, you know what? You had your chance. You kissed her. I'm here to protect you. I'm out now. So, okay. So you think. Could it be, though? Could it possibly be a triumphant moment, a triumphant look because he really did get, he finally got rid of mother and he's finally free? All right. So here, this that's the question, Ooh. Jules. I think that's the question. Uh, so, uh, audience, uh, if you guys are listening at home, if you're on iTunes or if you're uh, checking us out on YouTube, let us know what you think. Because I think it was Norman. I think Norman looked up for a moment of triumph that he was in charge for a second. And Jules seems yeah. to be, you might be leaning that direction too. I think it was Norman. I'm I'm on Team Mother. So, Do is on Team okay. Mother. We're on Team Norman. Relatively. But we'll see. And then I'm curious what you guys think. Let us know because I think that's... that. Whoever popped out... That's uh, that's going to be integral. Well, what's going forward? Only because we see we see Rihanna in previews to come, right? So we, Mad- we got to see Rihanna. Madeline Loomis cannot be here, right? She needs to be dead. So you're saying Madeline Loomis I, I has think, to be gone now? You I think, think Madeline's dead? I think right, no. Hold, save it for predictions. Hold on a second. We didn't talk about Romero. I know. We got to talk about Romero finding the only phone booth left in all of North America. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, I, I he found a phone booth, and next to it was a unicorn and a leprechaun. <laughs> and then there was that one virgin in Hollywood. They were all together, and, and, and so so okay. So Romero, let's 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 get Romero squared away before we go because we're running out of time. So Romero is obviously we 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 uh, we open with Romero back uh, right where he started, 
gangster. Shut, shut on up, up up against that car. And he tells the kid, hey, you know what? No, which it is very serious. Why don't you go get me some bandages from the house? I'm going to bone out while you're gone. He bones out. He mm-hmm. wanders through the woods. By the uh, way, I like that he can keep a nice, steady jogging pace with a with a shotgun injury to the to the to the stomach. Listen, I can't help but feel you're giving Romero a little less credit than he's due. I'm like, That's he's Nestor still, Carbonaro. We, we know Nestor. Nestor's, he's still Nestor's running a like a solid like 14 minute mile there. He was I like... Think he was. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. Shot or not shot. I'm, I'm not keeping that up for long. Oh my goodness. What happened to you, Joe? I don't know. So... So Romero, he, he's, he's, he runs from uh, from the kid. He finds the only the only payphone left in America. He calls uh, beautiful. He runs that ATM ambulance scam, which was gorgeous. Yes. I love that. And that he move. Knows, I like that move, too. Slick, right? And he knows he's got to make sure he gets a paramedic ambulance because so he says the right things. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, it's, a, it's an mm-hmm. OD, so don't just send a, don't send a wagon. Send a wagon loaded with drugs that uh-huh. I can steal. So he goes in there. He cleans out the uh, the ambulance. Smooth. Gets a few bucks out of the dude's pocket. Mm-hmm. By the way, ambulance drivers, I think we learned something today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't leave your shit in the back of the ambulance. Yeah. Um, and then he, he runs, uh, he, he continues off on his on his uh, his quest to get to the to, to the uh, to the what you call it, to the baits before he's dead. It seems to me that's basically what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. he cleans out all of the the the, uh, the shotgun the shotgun pellets, mm-hmm. but he's got that one that one uh, that one gouge in the middle. And it seems to me that that's kind of the integral part because instead of trying to clean that out, he kind of jams some gauze in there to kind of like stop mm-hmm. the stop the bleeding. And to me, that's like a you know what? I don't give a shit if I make it out of this or not. I'm going to kill this little, little bastard before this is done. I just need to buy myself some time. That's I it. need a few days. That's yeah. it. It's a suicide mission. Yeah, because you know that's going to go septic. There's no question about it. You just go <laughs> jamming shit inside. Do we'll you know that's going to go I'm septic? I'm pretty sure when you just jam shit into an open wound, it's going to go septic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so we 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 now I've been wrong before. That's happened. I may be wrong, but I'm I'm sure I'm on, I'm pretty sure I'm on the right track. So finds the payphone next to the unicorn. He calls the ambulance, ATM, and then he goes and he finds Maggie's house. Who the hell's Maggie? Maggie. Maggie. <laughs> I don't. Have we seen Maggie before, Julia? I couldn't remember. I don't think I don't. Maggie looks really new to me. If anybody at home is listening and and you know who Maggie is, who is Maggie? Yeah, we should please make posters. tell us if we don't know. On milk cartons, but Maggie was a friend, and she's got his back, and he he's going to go rest up in Maggie's house, mm-hmm. and maybe she's going to do some doctoring. I hope, and hopefully wash his pants. I don't I've remember got... who Maggie is? Yeah, his pants are dirty. He yeah, needs to, he needs to get cleaned up. Yeah, maybe. and and maybe patch up his eyes. His eyes don't look good either. It's just, yeah, yeah. Poor yeah. Romero's having a rough go. Yeah, spending a lot of time in that makeup chair for sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, I think we've covered all of our bases here. Um, should we go to predictions? Yes, we should go to predictions. I think we should go to predictions. Uh, normally I've got at this my predictions. Well, there it is. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Jules, as always, because we're mean spirited, you go first. And then I will. Uh, then any prediction go you have. Yeah, and then we'll go to predict a pen. What's, what's the predict a pen? It's a predict a pen. You tell me your prediction, and then I'm going to. Sh- it's like a magic eight ball. Picture a magic eight ball with, oh. with only a handful of settings. But go, 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 go. What do we got? Okay, I, uh, I don't really have one yet. I don't know. Ah! All right, wait a minute. Okay, hold on just a second. I, I go, go to a- I'm pretty certain that Madeline Loomis is going to die in the next... Like, she's dead. So you're saying Madeline Loomis is either dead now or dead next episode. No, no, she's going to be dead next episode. However, she's just going to be missing. Bevel. Right? She's going to be missing. But Norman, after, after what happened, that next scene would have been the Norma mother 
going over and killing so, Madeline. So you're saying that mother is who popped up? No brainer. No brainer. That's what says the predict a pen. No brainer. So you're saying your contention, your contention is that mother looked up in the kitchen, wang, yep. and then mother went down to Madeline's house and said, hey, it's me, Norman. My yeah. bad. I shouldn't have run away. We should definitely have sex. Step, step, step. Yes, yeah. Got it. Exactly how okay. he envisioned it. Got it. Oh. So, so that's what happened. I can get behind that. Oh, I, I, I hate that she might be right. Um, okay, so Jules, you got nothing? What? You got no predictions? No. You think we're really. going to see Dr. Not Gay right Edwards? I'm, I'm sort of like in the ether. I have no idea what's going to happen next, and I love it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, I don't really have one either. I think yours might be right. Oh, Even, dear. Wait, wait, we're, we're on two different teams here. We've got Team Mother and Team Norman in the kitchen. You guys tell us what you think, who you think popped up in the kitchen there, uh, and we'll find out next week. Uh, Jules, where can the young people find you? Twitter on Instagram with my name, Julia Carley, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y, and there in the studio with you guys for Blacklist Redemption and the Blacklist. Uh, Miss Dua Casey, where can we find you? Hi, my name is Dua Casey. You can find me on Twitter at Dua Casey, D-U-A-K-A-I-S-S-I, and I post a whole bunch of fun art. They've got a lot of great fan art happening right now um, on the in the Bates internet world. You know, a lot of good okay. fans are posting things, Ooh. and so if you want to see that, you can um, follow me on Twitter, and I post all that good stuff. Joe? Where can we find you? Uh, on the Twitters at J-O-E-F-L-I-P-O. It was a pleasure, you guys. We will see you next week. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, <laughs> says the pen. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 